Welcome to Highly Political, a podcast where two passionate ladies smoke weed, talk politics, laugh, and sometimes cry, with special guests from the world of comedy, cannabis, and politics. We haven't worked on Capitol Hill, but that's okay. We're paying attention, and so should you. We want you to be informed, like little democracy angels. So pack your bowl, grab some snacks, and let's get into it. And remember, when they go low, we get high. Whoa, it's getting hotter for the next millennia, according to the latest IPCC findings. So I'm drinking a cool green monkey with three milligrams of THC and six milligrams of CBD. Delightful beverage. I'm smoking Cherry Moon, an indica dominant that is surprisingly known to enhance a euphoric state that works well for social gatherings. Ah, social gatherings, you fickle bitch. We chat the IPCC findings, the energy inefficiency of grow operations, and our queen of the week is healing. Our coot goes on an apology offensive, and Marjorie Taylor Greene threatens literal murder on facts. All right, T, light it up. (laughs) I loved watching you open that can, Sammy. All your strength Uh, into it. These uh, these cannabis seals, these government regulations, <laughs> get really difficult to open them. I'm gonna break a nail. Yeah, but those ones I feel like are kind of better than the, the. So those are like the ones Sam has. It's like a it's like a tab. You have to slide it back and then pop. No, you got to pop it and then slide it back um, mm-hmm. to drink. But I think those ones are a little bit better than the ones that uh, are similar to like pill bottles. Because I feel like those, I had the hardest time trying to open a bottle the other day, a cannabis drink that was like the push down twist. I mm-hmm. swear for the life of me, it cannot push down twist nothing. I finally like tried to get like a knife to like break the seal underneath to like open it. It was very I had, to, I had to use a knife to break this seal just because um, I have real nails. So they're weak. Mm-hmm. And if I use my nails, they bend back. <laughs> yeah, you know what that. That was so hard to open. You. Seth, uh, Seth wrote, wait, Seth. Seth Rogen. Uh, said Seth Rogen. I have those press. Who, who's it? Seth, Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen, a uh, house plant. Those mm. jars are so hard to open. They kind of look like little Legos, huh? Yeah, little Legos. It takes multiple people. It's not just me. Every time we try to smoke it, it's like a, a few tries. You have to pass it around. Everybody, everybody mm. gets to try it opening it. I wonder if that's meant to be like a conversation starter. Probably not. Probably, Probably not. Probably I bet not. he was like with the product design team, just like uh, the government's like better not have be for kids. We're gonna make it the hardest, most like anti kid proof thing ever. Probably. That's probably what happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's no surprise, hot as fuck in LA. Seems like that's just you know everybody should just get it's, used to that. It's only getting hotter. <laughs> I like moved back into my office and. Uh, the closet in here I started putting like my like sweaters and like jackets and stuff and I'm just like staring at them like first of all it's making me feel much hotter and also like am I ever gonna get to wear you guys (laughs) after this IPCC IPCC report I'm like man I should go to Alaska before there's no more snow there seriously oh my god I gotta send you some TikToks there's this chick that lives it's not in Alaska but some like northern arctic island or something and she has a very like quaint life so, like she has a house with no oh, I love electricity and water from yeah, like, Swazberg or whatever yeah I'm Celia from Swazberg or whatever yeah every time I you see her stuff I'm like I feel like just one day Sam might this might Sam might just run away and this might become her life 
I, uh, even though I use TikTok for my job, I'm not, as you know, T, I'm not really on the TikTok that much, <laughs> but the people I do follow this one bee charmer woman, she works, she does bee removal and she's so good. And she like saves the bees and she can spot a queen, like in the hive immediately. Oh, and wow. then I follow that. That's Celia. Mm. <laughs> that's interesting about the bee one. I've seen some of her stuff. I know who you're talking about. It's like kind of a blondish wavy haired lady. And she sounds like this. She's like, I saw some bees and I quickly went to go see them. And I found the queen immediately. Mm. It's like ASMR. Oh, I forgot you're really into that too. <laughs> it's like, damn, like all your love's coming together in one. <laughs> beautiful thing. Um, yeah, you want to get into it? You know it. <laughs> All right, let's just, we're going to dive into this, uh, this intergovernmental panel on climate change report that um, doesn't quite say we're doomed. Where'd you go? Okay, here you go. Doesn't quite say we're doomed. It says we will be doomed if we don't act quickly. And I don't see 195 countries coming together to act quickly. So in essence, we're doomed. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> so for those of you that don't know, the um, this Council on Climate Change is a, U, it's a UN body assessing the science related to climate change. We came out with a, a sixth report and it's their most definitive. So basically in the past, they were kind of, they had a, they had a pussyfoot around things because of all of the snowflake politicians that we have. Mm. And, um, but this report is like humans did it. Like we're for sure 90% sure they're a hundred percent sure, but they're just saying 90 to be like, yeah, um, the group's findings must be agreed by 195 countries. So this was basically what they said. So there are things that we just can't stop in motion. We no longer can stop some things. Okay. Right. We can't stop the sea levels rising a certain millimeter amount and the climate will probably rise by 1.5 degrees Celsius. Um, you know, mm. so Arctic may not have snow in certain parts of the year when normally it even, it has ice in the summer. May right, not have, right. May not have it anymore. Um, what is important about this is that it's, it's affecting every region of the planet, right? <laughs> it's not just, you know, affecting urban sprawls in the Arctic. It's affecting everything. Um, so the rise in sea levels and extreme weather conditions are just going to like you know, cause more governmental collapses, right? So political regions will come unrest with um, mass migrations into mm. different countries. Um, as we've discussed in great length on this podcast throughout the time we've been doing it is that um, developing countries and countries with more of like a native population vibe, you know, um, always get the brunt of it, mm -hmm. right? So they're the ones who are going to have to migrate and, you know, all the fucking racist white democracies are going to be like, oh, we can't handle it, even though, like, we're consuming all the oil and gas. <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to laugh because it's not a funny statement what you just said at all. It's like depressing, but it's just like really funny because like as you give like what is very like non or bipartisan like information <laughs> delivered like it's very clear like how you feel about it <laughs> 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 it just 
cracks me the fuck up. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, there's no full-scale reversal on global warming. Kim Cobb, a climate scientist at Georgia Tech and co-author of the report, said um, the slow increase in sea levels could continue for a millennia. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we should look as you know, I'm a big advocate of not having children for the planet. And yo, um, I didn't know that. I just didn't know that was what you were about to say. I thought you were going to say like, as you know, I love the earth. Like every time I find a, a friend's pregnant, I'm happy, but also like, come on, mm-hmm. you know? And then once the little nuggets come out, I'm obsessed with them and I love them and I love to kiss and hug them and play with them because it's not their fault. Fair. Um, but, uh, so, okay. A lot of doom and gloom, but as we know, it's not really. Wait, hold on. I wanted you to finish your statement about. Oh, oh, oh. Well, <laughs> you know, okay. Wanting people to have kids. Well, that kind of, that's going into like things we can do as people, mm, right? Okay, so like, right. if you don't really want to have kids and you like, don't, like, it's not part of your plan, but you feel like a societal pressure to have them, um, maybe think about a societal pressure to like, not be able to breathe clean air in 10 years, you know, and then maybe that will stop you. Right. You know, adoption's um, like a great option. Adoption, yeah, adoption, 100%. Um, but, you know, so this, um, there's, there was this Twitter thread that my friend Kathy sent me because she knows that I, um, <laughs> I spiral with all this environmental news and like my mental health is very much linked to climate change reports. Right. Um, <laughs> so like, yeah, this person was like, I work in, what, what does she do? Let's see. Um, she, what does she do? She does something. Oh, okay. She works with a lot of environmental charities. Um, and so she's basically just like, Hey, we can manage this if we come together. So basically, you know, like global emissions, try to take public transit when you can try to, you know, alternative energy, et cetera, et cetera. Um, if you don't really want kids, just don't have them. Mm. She really, she recommends, and there are 100 companies that are responsible for 71% of global emissions. Yeah. So carry on climate marches, divest in companies that contribute to CO2 emissions, for example. I mean, I finally owe no money on my Chase credit cards. Fuck you them. Late a Chase? Late a Chase. Did you break uh, up with them? I didn't break up with them yet because my plan is to which this may be kind of, I don't know, maybe you can, my plan is basically to use them for my delicious credit score, but never use them and call and say, I refuse to pay the $95 fee annually. Mm. And if you charge me, then I'm just going to drop you. Mm. Like, I'm not going to use them at all. I'm just going to have them for my credit report, but never give them money anymore. And then the cards will like close on themselves, but maybe I could just close them and be like, fuck you guys. I get- I mean, that makes sense to me, but um, I'm not a financial advisor. I don't know anything about that kind of shit. So I'm I mean, like, yeah. sounds good. I'm just agreeing because I'm like, yeah, make, oh, yeah, use them. I like I mean, that. Yeah, that sounds good to me. In my head, I'm like, yeah, I'm using them. You fucks. I'm not giving you any more of my money, but like you're positively affecting me. But then now I'm thinking about it out loud. Mm-hmm. Just even being a, a, a member is I mean, no bueno. Yeah, my, you know, yeah. Defeat the purpose. All right, great. So I'm going to close them. We, 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 we
I think you should consult someone beside me before you make a decision because I'm not the one. You're the one. <laughs> You're the one. I can't say yes or no. I, I mean, I, both make sense to me. I do think there's pro- a probability that if you stay on, it's benefiting them somehow, some way. And I think that there's a probability that if you stay on and don't use your card and don't pay those fees that you're using them and not profiting them. I'm not sure. I would, (laughs) I would, (laughs) I would consult some financial advisors. One of my favorite on Instagram is at her first hundred K. So. Oh yeah. I like her because of you. Shout out to you first hundred K. Um, you know, vote for political parties that prioritize the environment, um, support environmental charities, uh, lobby, you know, uh, consider having fewer children. Um, yeah. So just, we could do those parts. And, um, I know that it's tough and it's rough, but like, it's just getting hotter. The air is getting dirtier. The water is getting, the water is becoming more fragile and more of a commodity, which kind of just segues me into stop line three, T. Okay. Um, so line three is uh, a tar sand pipeline from, uh, from Canada that's already in parts of the U.S. and it's, it's building a pipeline expansion in Minnesota mm. um, where, fun fact, like we're one of the only wild rice patties grow in the U.S. Oh. Um, it's near a lot of tribal lands. And the shocking, Enver- I know shocking. <laughs> they picked that location. I wonder if that had anything to do with it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, and Enbridge, the Canadian pipeline company responsible for this, um, they're actually responsible for the largest inland oil spill in the U S mm. it happened in 2010, um, in Kalamazoo, Kalamazoo Lake. Um, I feel like I kind of remember that. Yeah, I, I, I don't really, I don't really. Know why would I be ever like? Why would Kalamazoo really like strike something in my brain? That's true. I don't know. I'm, never, I'm not thinking about Kalamazoo ever. But in 2010, maybe I was. Yeah, it's possible. Maybe we saw <laughs> the news. Yeah. Um, Enbridge employees monitoring the pipeline from a control room in Alberta, Canada, took 17 hours to realize a rupture had occurred in the pipeline. By then. <laughs> 843,000 gallons of crude oil known as diluted bitumen had spilled and now what is recognized as the largest inland oil spill in the U.S. Oh, my God. So, yeah, these motherfuckers are building a new pipeline. And what's awful about tar sands is it's a form of crude oil that is harder to clean up. So it's different than just, you know, whatever crude oil. I don't know the difference, but... It's like uh, thicker. It's harder to clean up. Do you know if there's a reason why you would use one that's harder to clean up or thicker than like a different one? Or is that the specific type of oil they have to use? I mean, I, I don't know anything about oil. So. situations in Canada, um, I think, is like the largest producer of this oil, mm. only next to Saudi Arabia. Mm. And it's a tar, it's like a tar sand situation. Um, I see. I see. And, um, so right now, you know, we have water warriors like uh, Winona LaDuke, who is the executive director of Honor the Earth. You know, uh, they're here to protect the earth and water. Um, they've been protesting and tale is old as time. 
they're getting rubber bullets from the police, um, arrested, not being treated properly, once imprisoned, denied food. And fun fact, the Enbridge company is paying the police officers who are off duty to like survey the area. So they're getting like a little bonus to be dicks. Oh my God. Um, you These know, aren't shocked. Like, like it shouldn't be shocking to me. They're still like annoyingly like, what? Oh yeah. And do you know why I know that tar sand pipelines are harder and should be held to a different standard? I have a feeling it's because of a spill, but you tell me. Well, yeah, it's because of the Enbridge spill and the oh. EPA and the EPA under Obama said that tar sand pipeline should be treated differently. Mm. It should have more stricter regulations. And for some fucking reason, my grandpa Joe, who is really letting me down with this one, who stopped the Keystone pipeline when it was politically advantageous, is for some reason, this administration is allowing the tar sand line three to continue. And they're upholding water. Uh, they're upholding permits from the Trump era. Mm. So, um, you know, he, he has this lofty goal of emitting emissions uh, for, by like 50% by 2030. And I'm just like confused how you plan to do that while you're um, okaying, you yeah. know, <laughs> yeah, that's not cool. Fool. I mean, this is going to spill pipeline spill. It's what they do. God. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> she's always so interesting that more people aren't concerned about these types of things, you know? And yeah, I guess like, if it doesn't directly affect you, it's, I mean, I guess if it doesn't directly affect you. I can see how like, you know, out of sight, out of mind type of mentality, ignorance is bliss type of vibes. But um, it just thinks like, once you hear about that and the idea of like how easy it, it is for these oil spills to occur and the amount of damage they occur when they do, that there isn't more like research and money spent into like preventing it. Like all these people don't want to uphold all these fossil fuels. They can't deny the fact that they're dangerous and like the way that they're attributing to climate change. So why can't they just, if they want to keep it, come up with more solutions to make it better or safer? You know, I could respect that versus just being like, no, I don't care. Fuck them up (laughs) as many pipelines as we can get, you know? These non-renewable energy companies, they, uh, it's advantageous for them to pick areas with a little political power. Right. Yeah. Like underserved communities, you know, communities that aren't a huge uh, demographic for a presidential election, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. Um, So that's a real bummer. And I'm just, I'm disappointed in uncle Joe. And, um, you know, that's all I got. Anyway, look, we, we should oppose the pipeline, visit honor the earth, stop line three, donate to the cause. Um, if you're in the Minnesota area, go out and protest because you know, water is life. I mean, literally water is life. I don't understand. Yeah. Um, I was reading an interesting article today that has a lot to do with everything we've been talking about. And it was about the inconvenient truth of the cannabis like growing industry. And Mm. so right now, uh, 80% of cannabis is cultivated indoors. 
So they're subsisting. Wow, that's more than I thought. Yeah, well, large. Hmm. you got to think about it. Like some of the states, depending, well, we'll get into a little bit more towards the end, but like certain counties where even you can grow outdoors, um, they only allow like so much. And then if you do an outdoor grow, you have to have it um, like, uh, like security cameras and different type of things that sometimes are harder to set up in like an outdoor facility versus like an indoor facility. Mm-hmm. And also from an economic standpoint, uh, you can harvest like year round indoor versus outdoor. You can't harvest as much product. But right. so um, so an average setup can c- consume up to 2000 watts of electricity per square meter. So that's 40 times what it takes for uh, leafy greens like lettuce when they're grown indoors. Um, at least one expert estimates the industry's footprint already accounts for more than 1% of the U.S. electricity consumption and continues to rise. So one of the things that um, also makes this a little bit more difficult is that cannabis companies right now, because it's not federally legal, there's no interstate like delivery or travel of cannabis. So everything has to be produced within that state. Um, and one of the <clears throat> one of interstate trade's backbone of efficiency for most American or things that Americans assume is the fact that they can transfer move in like between states. Um, oh, and it also says that guess how much energy it takes to grow like a, a according to a study a gram, which is about a bud for like a, a joint, like a nice size joint. <laughs> Um, okay. So like, or I guess I'll set it up like this actually, because this is how actually, this is how it's the example set up. How many miles in a fuel efficient car do you think you could drive with the same amount of electricity that it takes to grow a gram of weed? 25 miles. 20. Oh, it's not too off. Not too off. Um, But so, and then another thing that sucks is like, even though, you know, like we were talking about how Biden has his net zero emissions by 2050, there are things that are like a lot of it pinpoints agricultural and ind- industrial emissions. Um, okay. So cannabis companies are going to have to meet a lot of these like federal regulations when it comes to like um, their, their um, standards, but uh they won't be able to get any like federal initiatives to help them become like a more green industry since it's not a federally legal industry. Oh, that's such bullshit. Is that crazy? Is that when will it become? Yeah. All yeah. drugs need to be decriminalized federally, regular, whatever. What the hell? And then there's like crazy, like, you know, some states have crazy overages like it says in 2018 Oregon produced so much cannabis that the Oregon Liquor and Cannabis Commission estimated it would take the state's residents six years to consume it all that same year Colorado growers produced enough surplus 37 tons to supply the entire city of Los Angeles and during that same time Nevada and Southern California struggled to grow enough flour to supply shops but none of that oversupply in Oregon or Colorado was allowed to cross state lines so basically consuming of electricity for products sitting unsold Um, and why did they make so much because they had state incentives or something 
Or is it just like the big boom? They're excited. I, I, I think maybe the amount of permits for people who are allowed to grow and just the, the way that their 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 mm-hmm. grows are set up that they produce that. And I'm I'm assuming that the population in Oregon and Colorado is smaller than I mean I don't know population in Nevada and like California. So yeah. there's maybe not as many people to consume where they thought. It's so annoying how counterintuitive our laws are. Says, uh, outdoor growing is much more efficient using 2.5% of the electricity needed for the average indoor operation. Um, and cannabis grown in greenhouses are in the middle using about 45% of the energy that the average indoor facility. But a lot of people are saying that um, it's not as simple as indoor versus outdoor because some outdoor grows use a generator for certain operations while some indoor grows use solar power. Hmm. And, but the average consumption of indoor grows has declined by more than 20% between 2018 and 2020 because there's been, you know, um, you know, people, some people are using like solar power, LED lights, different cooling systems, and just more efficient ways to do indoor grows. But what sucks is like a lot of these like federal um, agencies that kind of study um, the energy use of the country can't even look into cannabis because it's not a federal industry. So they can't even like take these types of things into consideration when they're, they're making these types of reports. Yeah. Then where do they even get the information from their reports? Well, these are like private, like so federal agencies can't use them in like federal reports. So private agencies and reports can be done. But anything that's like an enact change or any federal report that talks about the, the overall use of our energy in our country won't include cannabis, which, like we said at the beginning, you know, 80 percent of cannabis right now in 37 states is grown indoors and already is um, taking one percent footprint of U.S. electricity consumption. And that's just in what, like the last few years, it's already at one percent and growing. You know, this is another another situation where I'm very disappointed in Daddy Biden. Yeah. And so they say that like one of the best ways to kind of help with that, again, is for it to be federally legal for not only to help with interstate um, movement of the product, which makes other agricultural industries like more efficient. Um, it also those incentives to be more green industry and those buybacks. So but like a lot of politicians who are pushing for legalization don't even like take this into consideration. When Bernie was asked about it, he basically was like, yeah, I don't really know much about that. I never really took that in consideration about the climate or energy um, effects of the cannabis industry. Hmm. So. so like that, even though it's a, a disappointing answer, it's a, a straightforward one nonetheless. Yeah, right. I mean, politicians like admit to not researching something. They always try to backtrack and circle around things. Yeah. And we're like, I guess, you know, I guess for him, it's as someone who pushed climate change, you know, climate, you know, that and like can't legalization is some of his like main pillars. You would think that like someone on his team would have like cross reference or thought of points at some point about, you know. The, the industry's effects on on that, that because it is yeah. agriculture. It's, it's a huge part of his platform as well. Yeah. But um, yeah, so it's interesting. Is it will be interesting to kind of see, um, you know, how that kind of changes as we move closer to federal legalization, you know, and then talking about where the, you know, where the best cannabis could be grown outdoors would be more efficient 
versus like outdoors. Um, I think they said like Southern Oregon and California, obviously Cali, um, are some of the best places like to grow cannabis, like outdoors. But then I was thinking like, oh, that's dope. Um, but then I was like, oh, but fuck. Um, then you're like huge threat for fires in California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't even imagine. Well, a company I worked for before, they had a family farm and um, fucking like burnt down. They lost like a whole crop of CBD flour and maybe some other stuff as well. Damn. Uh, any, um, so basically the, I guess the, the real solution would be to make it federally legal. So these studies can be implemented and government assistance could be given to grow operations for more mm. renewable energy resources. Yeah. More incentives to yeah use more renewable energies. And, and also I think it just makes it easier for, uh, you know, it just makes it safer for cannabis industry all overall, but the, interstate travel the incentives for being more green and there was one more that now i can't or like you said the just the actual research behind it because it's wild how much research isn't being done about cannabis and there's just so much to learn yeah i mean mean, there's also going to be like i haven't uh i read an article a while ago because i can't think of some of the main points but there's also the uh the water aspect too. Oh yeah. On <laughs> no water. Yeah. So um well listeners in Denver and Oregon, let us know because weed should be cheap in your state with all this overabundance. Right. I wonder like, especially I wonder what some of the the regulations are because you know, like the other thing that sucks about things being regulated is like some I feel like sometimes our foolish regulations come into play from people who don't really know anything about the plant. But you know, like I wonder what their um, expiration dates are on product and then yeah. unsold product, if that has to be destroyed or if there's like a compassionate care program where it can be gifted some way. But I know like a lot of return product or things like that in California. And I think even sometimes expired product, I might be wrong about the expired product, but I know return product has to be like destroyed, like mixed with like sawdust and like deemed like on like usable um it's a shame damn oh t i forgot to mention our queen of the week oh who's our queen of the week queen of the week queen of the week it's the queen of the week i'm surprised you i guess <laughs> um our queen of the week is the ozone layer <laughs> oh, i didn't see that one coming <laughs> I just want to say, you know, I threw out a lot of doom and gloom in the podcast up front, but um, the ozone layer is continuing to heal and has the potential to fully recover, according to a new study from uh, Nature, published in Nature Magazine, a scientific study. Um, as you guys know, I don't know if you remember, it was like protect the ozone mm-hmm. and you know, stop using CFCs and, um, you know, like refrigerators and the all those aerosol cans and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? Our baby is thriving. She was, we put her in a tough place without her. It would be nearly impossible for anything to survive on the planet. But ever since a treaty, an international treaty called the Montreal protocol, um, in 1987, which was like, okay, we need to start doing some things that have that positively affect the ozone layer because she depleting honey. Um, <laughs> 
so yeah, uh, the, you know, the, it might even be reversing, but the, the whole, the expansion of the whole, uh, is stopped, maybe reversing oh. and emissions of ozone depleting substances that were responsible for the ozone hole. The CFCs from spray cans and refrigerators started to decline around 2000. Mm. Um, and that is when the hole seemed to stop growing. So a really, you know, nice cause and effect of human, you know, behavior on how it affects the planet. Yeah, that is very important in a positive way. Like, see, guys, we just got to keep doing our little parts. Doing our little will make part. a little difference. It's funny because I had a, a queen of the week in mind. I think your queen of the week is great, but I think you also are going to love this queen. Um, it is a company called Train Hugger. So Train Hugger for 50p from every one of their bookings. It's basically like you use them to book trains in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, their prices are on like similar that are not more expensive than any of the other platforms that you use to book trains. But when you book a train with them, they plant a tree. So 50p from every booking goes into a unique tree planting grant that they've set up with the Royal Forestry Society and the Royal Scottish Forestry Society. Um, it helps grow a healthy, resilient woodlands in the UK. Uh, what's really great about that, since they partner with them, they know where to plant the trees, where they actually need to be. It's not just like a gimmick. Um, and only, I think it was like saying like there's only like 13% of uh, the UK right now is like covered by trees and their hmm. goal is to push it up to 40% I think yes. um, but it's just like a beautiful thing every every train ticket you book they want to plant millions of trees uh, oh yeah their goal is to plant 10 million trees by 2025 okay. make, make UK Ray 100% carbon neutral oh I'm sorry double the UK woodland cover from 13 to 26% okay okay they want and they want to make the train carbon neutral. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Love it, love it, people. So you know when you're in Europe, Sammy, if you book, oh, I guess you're not gonna be in the UK, huh? Well, you might. Won't be in. The, I might, but I probably won't. But maybe now that I know this news. <laughs> yeah. So it's nice. I like things that make it really easy for people to. It's like t- killing two birds with one stone, right? You're. Using a more green option by taking the train, and you're getting a tree donated. I like that. I was Planted. thinking about. I was thinking about too, um, because I might be going to Prague and Lisbon now, and mm. instead of Croatia. But even so, um, I was thinking my brother and I were thinking about taking my mom to Maui for like a retirement, like congratulations, whatever. She doesn't listen to this podcast, so she ain't gonna know. Surprise, ain't gonna be ruined. Um, but Maui is being overrun with tourists right yeah. now. And you're begging people not to come. So I was like, okay, we got to put a pause on Maui. I can't be like a disrespectful piece of shit and, you know, be unwanted there. I uh, said that because right when you said Maui, I was like, I'd be like, I hate to break this to you, Sam, but they don't want us to come. <laughs> yeah, they don't want us. So I, I was thinking about maybe taking her to the big island, see what the vibe is there. I know Maui's overrun, but just, you know, it got me thinking about being a thoughtful tourist. And so mm. I think, I think every every country I plan to go to um, in the fall, whether it be with like coronavirus, like you know, health assistance for healthcare, or like eco, an environmental institution or organization that's local to that country, I think I'm going to start like you know making a donation. Hmm, I go yeah. somewhere, just like let me try to help 
make this country a little more beautiful for everybody because I'm going, I have the, I have the privilege of living in a country that has vaccine access and I'm a smart person. So I use the vaccine and now I'm, I'm afforded to travel because that's allowed some countries who are begging for the vaccine. Like they're actually, there are some countries that are actually banned from traveling to the EU right now because of like the risk of their country, like the unvaccinated populations. I'm sure if you're like a diplomat, a government employee or a rich person, you know, doesn't, doesn't really count for you, but right. Right. You know, I love that. I think, I think it's very important to be a conscious traveler specifically um, in this climate and to just really think about like, what are the local people saying? It's kind of like what's what happened with the the Olympics in Tokyo. Like I feel really bad because so many people were opposed to the Olympics coming specifically during this pandemic and just kind of forcing things uh, on people against their will when we have the luxury to make a choice, right? Like we don't have to travel to these places. It's like a privilege to go. And more than likely we'll be afforded that privilege at a later date when they are like more welcoming for people to come and it's not as dangerous or things like that. So I think, I think it's a privilege to be a a conscious traveler. And, but I think more than anything, it's also, it's not that hard, like to just pause and like, think about where you're going and, just realize that you're actually going somewhere else. I think specifically for a lot of Americans, um, we just kind of have this mindset that like, well, I don't like to say we, but uh, but Americans a lot of times have a mindset of just when they travel that, you know, they expect a different type of treatment or this like superiority complex. Um, so I think being conscious and then humbling yourself and realizing like you're the visitor is really important. So I love that. I like the idea of donating to some local organizations. Yeah, I'll let you know what I'll, I'll hold myself accountable and I'll let you know what I decide next yeah, time. We're looking to something for Italy. So I got like a email that our flights were changed. Saying that's when it starts, baby girl. Just get ready for just make sure that you got that travel protection. Right. Mine changed. I was like, mm. that's what happened with us in France. During for those of you who don't remember, I booked an August 2020 trip to France. Oh my God, I forgot and about that. around in like April and May, it's like, you know, your flight's been changed. It wasn't by too much, you know, a couple of, I was like, okay, whatever. And like a month later it was like, your flight's been changed by a day. And I'm like, Hmm, what's going on here? And then it was like, nobody travel. <laughs> yeah. I'm interested to see what happens in the fall. I'm holding space and positive energy that like, you know, things, things will still be open, but. If Italy says no, I guess I'm just be like, ciao, bello. See you guys next time. <laughs> says, Ferma. I mean, stop in Italy. Italian. Oh, oh my God. Look at you. Yeah. No. So international. I dabble. I, <laughs> I dabble uh, in Italian. Should we get to our kook of the week? It's the crazy old kook of the week. Why you gotta be so fucking crazy? Asa Hutchinson. I think he's been our crazy old kook of the week before. (laughs) 
more than likely. Um, he's the governor who um, signed a bill into law in Arkansas that stopped the mask mandate early in this year in April. Um, for context, the CDC was still suggesting you wear a mask indoors in April. Um, and now he's going on a goddamn apology tour because the Delta variant, as you know, is the highest spread of cases and severe outcomes is happening in places with low vaccination rates like Alabama, Arkansas. <laughs> um, and uh, now he's on an apology tour saying, I'm sorry, facts change. And it's like, you know what, though? The facts weren't different before. They asked you to wear a mask. And now because of your unvaccinated backwoods, no mask wearing, dumb, dumb citizens, the Delta variant had a party, had spring break in Arkansas. Right. And now, you know, people are dying. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, I wonder, like, because the thing is, it's really hard for me to believe that any of these governors who are signing these like no mask mandate laws and are like putting in these like no mask mandate things into like work, like really believe that masks don't slow down the spread of COVID. I just I don't believe that they're not they're not actually dumb people. You know what I mean? I, I, I feel like it's all like a political farce. Some of them are. You know what? my baby Bill Maher, he had a new rule that was talking about like, you don't really need any discernible skills to, I guess, to run for public office. And he used your, one of your favorites, Lauren Bobart, who I found out doesn't even have a fucking GED. She, no, she has a cool. She got a GED. Oh, she has a GED. Okay. Yeah. okay. But no, yeah, I know. I, I'm just saying like, I just don't think, I feel like Lauren Bobert's like totally different than like this guy or like DeSantis or yeah. Abbott. You know what I mean? Like those guys, like Bobert and Marjorie Taylor Greene. I mean, I think Marjorie Taylor Greene does think some of the crazy shit she says, but all, they're all fucking grifters, right? Like super grifters. Yeah. Democrats yeah. are grifters too. Like all politicians. You gotta, you gotta get a grift to get the job done sometimes. I get but that. But there are, there are some more, much more obvious grifters. Yeah. And so it's like, I just wonder, when did he have this moment where he decided, like, you know what, <laughs> this is getting so bad. I can't I can't play this anymore. I have to be like, no, actually, I regret telling people not to wear masks. You know, it's just when was this epiphany? When did you like when were you? I don't know. I just there has you know, he's a human. Too, so you had to have signed it into law. Yeah. Like, I was, and a judge blocked it. Thank God. Um, and in Arkansas's Marion school district, nearly 900 students and teachers are currently in quarantine. Oh my God. Did you hear in Texas, they like signed it that. So like, you, you know, wants to ban mass mandates in schools, wants to make it so like they can't do any contract, uh, contact tracing. So if, and, and that parents don't have to like report that their kid like was exposed or has had COVID or has COVID. See, that is some real GOP bonanza bullshit. Like, like, you don't even have to say. Yeah, like, you have to report it to a certain, like, agency, but you don't have to report it, like, to the school or something. It's, it's something where it was just like, okay, but why? You know what I mean? Like, and then DeSantis is saying, uh, oh, you know, no mask mandates and superintendents are like, fuck that bra. Like, I'm keeping my students and my staff safe. Mask mandates. And he's like, fine, I'm going to take your fucking uh your salary so you won't take funding from the schools you won't take funding from teachers but it'll take funding from or like 
um, like the pay from any superintendent. He's threatening to take the pay from any superintendent. That's some authoritarian shit. Yeah. For like, you know, disobeying the no mask mandate ban. And I saw something that somebody was saying how like, yeah, schools don't want to mandate masks, having all these problems saying they can't do that. They can't do that. But they had no problem mandating us to fucking not wear spaghetti straps or like too short of shorts. Oh, and this. Oh, my God. Anti-vaxxers who say my body, my choice. It's not the same, guys. Pregnancy isn't contagious. And, and then and that's and then, and then okay like this is the thing if you don't want to get vaccinated then you should be you should be the advocate for mask mandates you know what i mean you should be totally about social distancing this idea that you just want to have no protection is just so beyond to me i mean i guess it's rooted in like you just don't believe in the seriousness of of covid or how, the the way that it spreads and i'm not really interested in having those debates anymore but um it just, it just, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know why the mask thing is so hard. Like, let's just fucking wear them. Like your freedoms aren't being stripped. Like get the vaccine. Marjorie Taylor Greene recently was, I think she might've been in either Arkansas or Alabama. She was in one of her little rally things or meetings, you know, like six people, whatever, listening to her talk crazy shit. Basically was, you know, talking about how, I guess like the Biden administration talked about people like going door to door with like vaccine information or something similar to like the census, you know, it's not a crazy thing for people to come to your fucking door and knock on it. But she basically was saying how like, they're going to come, they're going to get the names of you, your family. They'll probably get your social security number too. But you know, out here in the South, we're like a second, second amendment, like loving uh, place. And like, we don't take kindly to strangers knocking on our doors unannounced and they might just get something else when they come to our doors, basically saying like, they're going to get shot. Like, come on, dude. And then like, they like hit up her, her team to be like, yo, what are your, your comments on her saying this? It's like on fucking tapes or recording. And their, their response basically was just like more radical left-wing nonsense. Oh, nothing. You guys are so crazy. Like, what is nonsense? You never like even acknowledge like the two things I asked you about. And it's literally on tape. (laughs) So it's nonsense that she said it. It's nonsense. That's what I'm inferring. You know, like, what are you? What's the nonsense? What else do you infer from somebody saying, I I love my guns and the Second Amendment right. And if you knock on my door unannounced, you might be met with something you're not expecting. What is it? What? What? Like a pie? Oh, (laughs) A pie in the face. I wasn't expecting that. No, it's it's a gun. It's a gun. So I don't know. I was just like, this hell. But yeah, our crazy old kook of the week. I'm so happy that you now realize the error of your ways, but it's like a little like it like the the hindsight's 2020 is kind of annoying. You know what I mean? Like how many people have to die and get sick and you know, hospital workers overworked. Until you're like, oh, actually, gosh, gee golly, should have never told you not to take those masks off. Guess I shouldn't have told you to cough in each other's faces. That was my bad. Really, you know, it's really annoying too. Like, I wonder who's gonna run against him. Oh, also, oh my God, here's your pod weekly reminder: the California recall, September 14th. Make oh, sure yeah. you, you go in in that. Um, but like, I wonder who's gonna, you know, he'll have a Democrat and then he'll have a Republican primarying him, and the Republican will be like. He caved under woke oh, liberal yeah. mask. 
agenda. It's going to be really, it's going to be frustrating. It's going to be so frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. This is one of the reasons right now I'm kind of like thankful I don't have any kids in school because it sounds like a real stressful time. Yeah, there's a lot of choices to be made, you know, depending on like what state you lived in. I think it'd probably be a little different in California, but you know, like again, like I totally see like the mental health aspect of like I couldn't imagine being in the middle of like elementary school or middle school and then all of a sudden like one day being homeschooled for like the last year and a half to two years. That seems like like wild to me. Um but then it's like, oh, I can't imagine the anxiety <laughs> of like worrying about going, you know, I was talking, I was reading one article about a mom who's choosing not to send her son to in-person learning, even though it's an option because she's immunocompromised and she's a single parent. So if she gets sick, like she's all her son yeah. has to rely on. Um, so she has to, you know, so like that's the kind of stuff. And then there's all this debate about whether teachers and staff should be vaccinated. And I just. I don't know. It's it's wild to me. <laughs> it's stressful. I'm happy. I only have to really worry about myself, you know. Anna, one of our one of friends of the pod and one of our favorite listeners, she's always like, "You know what I like about your podcast? Like, you guys are all doom and gloom. Like, you add solutions." And st- <laughs> We're ending the pod right now, and both of us are just staring out into the existential dread of life. It's like, uh. Well- you know, it's, it's, I guess it's not necessarily like, that's not, we don't have to end it on doom. It's just, uh, there's a lot of, there's just a lot of, a lot of things to think about. And I hope that we just are reminded our, our, our conscious community members, just like we want to be conscious travelers. It's, you know, and just, you know, look at the, the data and the facts and the science and I don't know I'll keep wearing my mask I like masks I'm not gonna lie I know I've, I've said this over and over again on the pod I'm not I don't see there's something like well I was in well sometimes anthropology like I was in the mall today buying somebody a birthday gift mm. and any anything perfumed if a store is perfumed it kind of gives me anxiety and I was wearing my mask and I felt like I couldn't breathe it was like a little internal thing mm. and then I don't like wearing it for workouts Mm. So that's why I was so stoked a few months ago when I was like, I'm going to go back to the gym, no mask, I'm vaccinated. And then Delta and then gyms are doing honor systems where they're just saying, like, you can just say if you're vaccinated or not. Like, no. Yeah, I like so wearing now, a mask. Now I'm annoyed. I do. I went to the dog park though and I wore a mask and everybody was looking at me as though I was an idiot. And I was looking at them like, I can't smell this dog park right now. <laughs> I can't smell the poop dust. There you go. Yeah. Hello. I like wearing it working out because it, it hides my struggle face from myself oh. and the other participants in the class. But um, no traveling, no problem. Grocery store, no problem. Yeah, sometimes and, I forget I have an on order. even. I'll get yeah. back in the car, I'll be driving around, I'll be like, oh shit. <laughs> Silly goose, you can take this off now. Like also I'll be like, why am I so hot? Yeah. <laughs> I'll have my mask on still. <laughs> Oops. Um, oh, you know, something that might become legal in California that I didn't realize was a thing or wasn't legal is um, human composting for the dead. So soon you may be, it may be legal for people to be transformed into soil after death. That's yeah. going to be me. <laughs> no, that's why. That's why. That's why <laughs> I when I saw the, the, the headline, I thought, hmm, 
I should read that because it probably interests Sammy. Um, yeah, but via an alternative funerary option known as human composting. So Beale's making its way AB501. It's a natural organic reduction or known as NOR. Currently, I believe Oregon, Washington, and Colorado first adopted these methods in 2019. And there are bills in Massachusetts and Delaware. Um, currently, there's only three um, funerary options, which is our burial, cremation by fire, and cremation by water. I was not familiar with cremation by water. Whoa, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, does it explain the process? It doesn't. And I was going to Google it, but then I I got sidetracked by something else probably. Um, so I didn't. But it says, yeah, it says with climate change and sea level rise as very real threats to our environment, this is an alternative method to fi- of final dis- disposition that would contribute emissions into our, that won't contribute emissions into our atmosphere. Um, yeah. And basically it's like you... Uh, let's see, where's the lady that was talking well, about? Well, you know that it? I know, you know, why I know that I, at least Washington and Oregon had it because I was recently looking into it for my personal self <laughs> about a year ago. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, yeah. so the, oh, there's a uh, company called Recompose. Uh, and basically, the bodies are placed in individual vessels, fostering gentle transformation into nutrient dense soil that can be returned to families or donated to approved conservation land. I wonder where Sam will end up. Um, yeah, so AB 501 scheduled for August 16th uh, at Appropriations Committee hearing. So we'll, we'll see what happens. It says, this methods of disposal are used to lessen the possibility of disease being transmitted by the dead carcass. Using the same methods for the transmission of human remains can create an unfor. Oh, that's oh, this is sorry. The Catholic, the California Catholic Conference um, opposed it in a, a letter dated June fifteenth. It says these methods of disposal were used to lessen the possibility of disease being transmitted by a dead carcass. Using the same methods for this transformation, quote unquote, of human reigns can create an unfortunate spiritual, emotional, and psychological distancing from the deceased. So they were like against it, but now they're saying- They're down for embalming, just putting (laughs) poison in your body until you just blow and decompose. What the fuck? Yeah, they said that, but now now they're saying that- um, uh, they uh, are just going to stay neutral on the uh, <laughs> on the matter. Somebody probably told them, like, you know what? We don't need to have a dog in this fight. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking Catholic Church, we've been known for your reasoning throughout the centuries. Yeah, like, we should Another, like, high official cardinal got, like, you know, arrested recently for kitty diddling. <gasps> Wait, what? Yeah, I, I didn't look into it, but I listened to, to, to a snippet on NPR, like, a high-ranking cardinal in america um was arrested for molestation damn oh man and sorry that's depressing um (laughs) uh, but they're out here worried about people being turned into dirt (laughs) chillax it said during at the amid the height of covid19 deaths earlier this year the south coast air quality management district which monitors air pollution from multiple california counties issued an emergency order to suspend limits on cremation. Yeah, cremation. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Uh, when I was in Paris and I went to uh, the catacombs. 
Yes. And they had all the bodies underneath and they were talking about how at the time some people were like dying. They had them all outside that it was making the air so disgusting that people were like just getting sick from the smell of like all the bodies that were up above the ground. They're like, yo, we got to put that shit below. And it was pretty freaky seeing all those dead people. That, that is, <laughs> it was a lot. Bad. I did like a, uh, I was by myself and I did like a guide tour. By the time I got to the end and he's like, are climbing the stairs to get back to the street. I was like, get me out of here. I'm not <laughs> I need to see the sun. Yeah, I need to see the kids. sun. I need to breathe fresh air. But yeah, it was cool though. It was interesting. It's interesting. Well, guys, we got a, you know, again, let's leave it on a positive note. Little changes create, you know, big changes. Like Sammy said, the ozone is doing better than I thought she was doing. That was really nice to hear. Um, and uh, we can be turned into dirt if we want. Like, what? Look at us go. Another positive note. Can we end this on? You're good. We're good with that. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Let's end it on that. Well, you guys, thanks for listening. Um, As always, feel free to subscribe, like, uh, leave a review, five stars. Uh, You can follow us on Instagram at highly underscore political. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye.